Man, I got to tell you guys, it was the funniest thing today. And it shouldn't have been, but it was. Uh, it was just the funniest thing to watch the left on social media. Uh, not sure whether or not they could uh, say anything nice about Hugh Hefner dying. Um, if feminists attacking feminists. You can't say anything about him. He sexualized women. He's the man who made our situation. But I thought he was the great liberator. Oh, my goodness. And then to see CNN. Yeah, Don Lemon last night, and then you had him posting pictures today. This is the network that freaked out over Clay Travis uh, making the boobs comment with uh, Brooke Baldwin, and now they're they're treating Hugh Hefner as if he was the Pope who died. I mean, man, I can't imagine Billy Graham, when he passes, uh, getting the hagiographic treatment that the American media has given Hugh Hefner today. We'll get into that later. It's just the whole thing is ridiculous. There's another ridiculous story out there that I want to get to first today that's not getting a lot of attention. I think it should. It's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB, and com. You can get the podcast and the show notes by texting SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 444-999. A librarian in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and that really is all I should need to say about this right there. Just stop. A librarian in Cambridge, Massachusetts, has returned a large order of books that Melania Trump donated. The librarian at its Cambridgeport Elementary School in Cambridge, Massachusetts, she declined the shipment of books. One school from each state was chosen by the White House to receive 10 Dr. Seuss books as part of the National Read-A-Book Day. I didn't even know there was a National Read-A-Book Day. Getting an education is perhaps the most important and wondrous opportunity of your young lives, Trump said in a letter to the children. Liz Fipsuero, Suero, I have no idea. But everything you need to know right there is that she has two last names. She wrote a lengthy editorial for the Horn Books family reading blog explaining why her school doesn't need the books. She says her students have access to a school library with over 9,000 volumes and a library with a graduate degree in library sciences. Multiple studies show that schools with professionally staffed libraries by women who have two last names improve student performance. And then she blasted Betsy DeVos, giving away the game. Oh, and then she criticized the book selection, which was The Cat in the Hat, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, The Foot Book, Green Eggs and Ham, and Oh, The Places You'll Go. You may not be aware of this. I'm sorry. You know that's not what this woman sounded like. <clears throat> you may not be aware of this. But Dr. Seuss is a bit of a cliche, a tired and worn ambassador for children's literature. As First Lady of the United States, you have an incredible platform with world-class resources at your fingertips. That was a recording. That wasn't actually me. That was the actual voice of this librarian, I assure you. 
And of course, the liberals who go to the school are championing the library. Ah, she did one to Melania Trump. Snap. I mean, that's essentially it. it, it it's ridiculous Watch, watching the reaction of the left-wing parents. Oh, <laughs> to heck with our kids getting books from the White House. We got to say something nasty to the first lady. Oh, this school doesn't deserve books. This school doesn't deserve anything. Uh, just shut it down. Can you imagine the kids that are going to come out of the school? Good gracious. I mean, everything is political. Dr. Seuss books, they get a shipment of books from the White House for National Read-A-Book Day, and the librarian, who probably wears comfortable shoes, made it a political thing so that she could insult the Secretary of Education and Melania Trump. These people, they're just not right in the head, always in a state of anger. I, I don't understand why people have to politicize everything. It's one of the things that, in, and I promise I'm not going to spend a lot of time on my book, but it is one of the things in there. I want Gunnar and Evelyn to know that not everything is political. Um, that you don't have to politicize your food. You don't have to, I mean, there's no reason to try to figure out what the queer theory is behind cat in a hat, for example. And yet if you go to a typical college in the United States, including many here in Georgia, <coughs> emeralds, um, you will find professors who want to delve into the, the queer theory of the Bible. I'm pretty sure there wasn't one. It is just a, a measure of the insanity of our system. Now, speaking of insanity, the reaction from people to the Republican plan uh, on taxes is insane. Uh, people are losing their mind, claiming everyone's going to tax increase. Let me explain to you what everyone's talking about when they say everyone's going to get a tax increase. It's a little bit misleading, and you should understand it. Under the present tax code, you can deduct the taxes that you pay to your state and local community. Now, I don't know of any city in Georgia that charges a local income tax. But for example, New York City has a local income tax. So you have the state income tax in New York, you have the local income tax, and you have the federal income tax. Up until now, well, after 1986, really, with, with uh, Reagan's reforms from 86 until now, you've been able to deduct your local taxes and your state taxes from what you pay to the federal government. Now, in practicality, this undermines federalism because they are considered distinct systems, state and federal. They're considered distinct systems. So what you pay to one shouldn't affect what you pay to the other. You're under two separate governments. One is not an administrative subdivision of the other. But we did it because of the tax burden at, at states, and it was a backdoor way, and this is why Democrats supported it in, in 86, it was a backdoor way to allow blue states to raise taxes. Now, believe it or not, Georgia actually has a fairly high income tax compared to some states. Like Illinois is on the verge of bankruptcy, and Illinois actually has a, a more coherent income tax rate than Georgia. I know, you're shocked. I was shocked too when I heard it, but it's true. But New York and California, Oregon, uh, a few other Democrat states, they have out of control state taxes. So the people in California and New York, they're going to be hurt by this plan. It is true. Objectively, it is true. And I'm not sympathetic because it has allowed their state governments to get completely out of control. New Jersey's in this boat as well. 
they have been able to raise state taxes with impunity, knowing that you're never going to technically feel the cost because they're going to be deducted from your federal income tax. Well, if they're no longer deducted from your federal income tax, suddenly you've got to be mindful of the fact that you've got Democrats in your state who have been going hog wild with tax increases and irresponsibility at the fiscal level. That's why Republicans want to get rid of this, and that's the Democratic complaint that um, this is going to cause all sorts of problems. Now, the problem here as well is that uh, we're probably going to have the Republican Senate screw this up. Despite what you may think of Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan was able to get a health care plan out of the House of Representatives, but McConnell wasn't able to do it in the Senate. And Ryan's probably going to be able to get a tax plan out of the out of the House. And, you know, the Senate Republicans, they're probably going to screw this up, too. The question is, do they go on and buy in? Um, it does not have everything I would like. I think it's not nearly as bold as we should go. But the question for this is, is it a significant step towards something better and away from something bad? And the answer is yes, yes, it is. Um, I don't have a problem with the fact that you and I aren't going to be able to deduct our state taxes. I would like not to because it will ultimately cost me money. But it will force you and me and everyone else in our state and every other state to be mindful of the fact that at the state level, Republicans and Democrats alike have been really fiscally irresponsible and they've been able to cover it all up by the deduction for state and local taxes. So it'll force our state governments to be more fiscally responsible. And I personally think that's a good thing. We'll be right back. Do y'all want to chat with Jamie Dupree? He's doing a live chat tonight at 9 on WSBRadio.com. Um, he's going to take your questions about Washington and politics. It is tonight at 9 p.m., Jamie Dupree, live on WSBRadio.com uh, for a live chat. Uh, so y'all can ask him questions and get answers from our Washington correspondent. And at 6 tonight... WSB Radio and WSB TV and the AJC, the three of them are teaming up for a public forum with all the candidates for mayor of Atlanta. It is going to be at Emory, and it's going to be hosted by Jocelyn Dorsey from Channel 2. You can see it on the Facebook page for WSB Radio tonight at 6. Uh, it's going to be on Facebook Live if you want to do that. Uh, so you got that at 6 and at 9 p.m. Jamie Dupree doing a live chat on WSBRadio.com. Uh, for me... You can get the podcast of the show, um, and you may want to subscribe to it because uh, I'm going on book tour. Yes, people, I'm going on a book tour. Uh, next week, I will be in New York, and then I'm going to Washington, and then I'm going to Nashville, and then I'm going to Los Angeles. Uh, it is a whirlwind three weeks. Uh, I will be broadcasting. Uh, there will be a couple of days that I know I've got to be on TV uh, during the show, so I won't be able to do those days. I'll be providing you extra special content for podcast subscribers, though, during that time. Uh, and you can get it by texting SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 444-999 and sign up. Yeah, I'll send you the Google Play and the iTunes Store links for the podcast. Did y'all know the networks are not showing NFL fans during the anthem protests. I mean, I assume they wouldn't. I didn't watch the game. I wasn't going to watch that stuff. 
but yeah, they, the networks aren't showing fans. You can hear the boos, but they don't want to show the fans. The NFL and the networks have decided together they don't want to do that. Which doesn't surprise me, really. But there's no way for them to win this. I mean, people are outraged at me for pointing out what worthlessness these protests are. They they could spend time better. I mean, I'm being called a racist and, and all sorts of other terrible things for pointing it out, but it's still true. It's ridiculous. It really is. When we come back, though, oh, the contrast in media coverage of Hugh Hefner. It is 40 after the hour here, Eric Erickson, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So Hugh Hefner died yesterday, the founder, editor of Playboy, um, creepy old dude who kept a harem of 20-year-old women. I got to tell you guys, I... I used to not be this way. And it's not a it's it's not a growing old thing for me. It's a nearly dying thing for me. Uh, but I'm more and more just mindful of how my values and what is is common, acceptable, popular, liked, good in the world, they align less and less. And in fact, it's it's harder and harder for me in politics often to reconcile my, my faith and values with politics uh, because I see them clashing more and more. And, and I look at this, this the the hagiography of, of Hefner, and what he did is make money off getting your daughters to take their clothes off. And made a, the, the, the carnal instincts of a lot of boys happy over the years Um, but I just, eh, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna praise the guy or, or celebrate his life. Um, just, I, I don't think it was worth it. I I think Russell Moore had the, the great piece today that, uh, Hefner did not live a good life and I don't think he did. You know, I'll read you what I wrote about him this morning at the resurgent, if you want the show notes, you, you would have gotten this this morning. You can text show to four, 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 nine, nine, nine. And, and all I did was I, I just, I cut and pasted this. Uh, you may recognize it. Uh, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that's in the world. The desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the father, but is from the world. And the world's passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's 1 John 2, 15, 17. Look, the, the, when I was in college, my college roommate uh, for my birthday one year got me a subscription to Playboy. We left him on the counter. No big deal. Um, uh, but as I grew up, particularly as I had a daughter, uh, priorities change and outlook and life changes. And, and I don't view it as no big deal anymore. Uh, and then one time I did, and I totally understand those of you who, who view it that way. Cause I, I was with you for a long time and now I've got kids and I've just been really shocked, honestly, by the people who say, uh, they're going to find it anyway. M- might as well let them, this is a safe place to start uh, to start. I, and 
I just I I think we as a society don't understand or we don't really appreciate the damage it can do with relationships, the false expectations it can set, uh, the mindsets that can set in from it. Uh, it does real damage. I've got a friend of mine. I don't want to talk out of turn on this, but I had a friend of mine who really got into pornography, started with Playboy and it went from there. And he really didn't think anything of it at all. Uh, it was just a regular thing. Um, it was a distraction. And he got married and never set it aside. Didn't think he needed to set it aside and just ruined his marriage. And ultimately, he and his wife, thankfully, were able to reconcile. But uh, it had a lot to do with with him doing engaged in pornography and the relationship he developed with his wife through doing it and the world celebrates those folks and and cheers people like Hefner on and I just I don't think we should and I think it is deeply funny today to watch CNN do it after the controversy over Clay Travis and it is deeply hilarious to me to see feminists fighting with each other over whether or not they can say anything and a, a bunch of beta male progressives out there say nice things about him today and and getting attacked by feminists and having to tuck their tail between their legs and apologize. That is it, it, all of that today. I have watched and just laughed throughout the day watching this unfold on social media. So, you know, I did that podcast uh, last week on uh, your kids and social media, and it, it kind of ties into this. One of the things that I, I never really considered it, but a lot of the experts, I guess you could say, the, the family people, the people who've studied this stuff say, one of the big warning signs for kids today is do they use the language of social media to establish self-worth or the worth of others? Do they spend their time talking about how someone has so many YouTube uh, subscribers or how many retweets somebody got or Twitter followers they have or Facebook friends they have or Facebook followers they have or likes on an Instagram page or likes on a Facebook post? It is a superficial valuation and it's a valuation that is incumbent places your self-worth incumbent on what other people think of you i think we've all got self-worth um because we're all we're all human beings and uh, this this false sense of my self-worth is only uh, that in which I can get a retweet on or like on Instagram and, and, oh my goodness, this person has a thousand or 2000 or 10,000 Instagram followers. Um, this must be a, a, an, a person that I should pay attention to. I, I, it's such a phony, fraudulent sense of self-worth. And I think Hefner did a lot to get us to that point. And I just, I don't think that's worth celebrating at all. Um, the, the the keeping up with the Joneses lifestyle and everything else. It's just, it's not for me. I mean, your mileage may vary, but I'm just telling you what I think. It is 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Thomas in Dallas, you are next. Welcome. Hey, thanks a bunch. Um, 
One thing I could say about, or, or I say guess about Hugh Hefner, I believe it's possible that he's responsible for more divorces than any other man in America. I, I'd say that's very possible. If there's another hire, uh, I, I would not be able to guess who. And there are people who say, uh, concerning pornography and even on the Internet, well, that's neutral. The people who are addicted would do it anyway. That's not true because there is a such thing as a stumbling block. And, you know, Jesus says stumbling blocks must be, but woe to those, you know, to them by whom it is. So it's, it's not, you know, you can entice people mm-hmm. to do wrong. It's not neutral. And the other thing I'd like to say, if there is no God, then Hugh Hefner lived a wise life. <laughs> that is an interesting perspective on in a good way of saying it, Thomas. Thank you very much for that. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Uh, you can text the word show to 444-999. When we come back, we got a lot of other news to get into today. In particular, we need to delve into the Republican freakout over Roy Moore. It is descending to madness. And the left is suddenly having a temper tantrum about Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. Um, It's not for the reason some people are saying it is. There is a real reason, a legitimate reason for the lefty freak out over Neil Gorsuch. What I find so funny about it, though, is that the New York Times ran a story that said people are critical of what Gorsuch is doing, talking to outside groups. And right under it was a headline of Ruth Bader Ginsburg says says um, chauvinism, misogyny, blame for Hillary Clinton loss. And they're OK with that. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB-TALK. And if you like, you can get the show notes and podcast by texting the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 444-999. The Republican Party is having a meltdown right now over Roy Moore winning. Now, Moore has not actually won the Senate seat. And I wouldn't be surprised if Washington Republicans help Democrats try to win the seat in Alabama. Because Mitch McConnell, based on a a leak of a conversation he had with a donor and uh, other Republicans, are starting to say that they realize now just how much the base of the party hates them. Yes, my friends, yes. They're only now figuring out just how much the party base hates them. Well, you know, I got news for them. They've been hated for a very long time. Nine years at least if not longer, 
and they've been in denial about it. And along comes Donald Trump, who is perfectly happy to ruin them, to wipe them off the face of the planet. He doesn't care. He's not a Republican. He just he doesn't care at all. I mean, he, he doesn't have loyalty to a party that doesn't have loyalty to him. And the base of the party was told in 2010, give us the House, we'll repeal Obamacare. Boom, they did it. In 2012, give us the Senate. Boom, they did it. In 2016, give us the House, give us the Senate, give us the White House, we'll repeal Obamacare. Boom, boom, boom. They did it. And they still can't repeal it. They can't even get tax reform. They can't do anything they've said to do, and they wonder why they're hated. Mitch McConnell has battled conservatives. Mitch McConnell has blacklisted conservative consultants. He has funded opposition. Remember, with Thad Cochran's race against Chris McDaniel, he poured money in to get Democrats out to vote for Thad Cochran. And he wonders why he's hated. I, I So now they're out there telling donors that uh, we're going to get a bunch of crazies and we're going to lose the House and the Senate. And it's all the conservatives' fault. It's not their fault. It's not their broken promises. It's it's none of that. It's all conservatives' fault. That's it. They are in denial. They don't recognize it. They don't realize it. Uh, they've been in denial for a very long time. And all they know is they hate their base. And their base hates them. So maybe it is time for a new party. I mean, you know, David Frum made a very good point on Twitter yesterday. Whether you care for him or not, he made an excellent point. And that is that AEI, the American Enterprise Institute, a very good organization, the Heritage Foundation, also a very good organization, together combined, they have about a $180 million budget. And for the first time in forever, we have a Republican Party in charge of Washington, D.C., without any real ideas in place to implement. They're just kind of moving from one thing to the next. And this doesn't have anything to do with the base. This has everything to do with the party leadership. But they would have to actually honest assess, honestly assess the problems. They really would, in any event. Can I just, as an aside, say, holy cow, the number of people running for mayor of Atlanta. It's like the Republican presidential nomination in 2016 the number of people i mean i i've lost count of how many there actually are running for mayor and what's so interesting is to see kasim reed going after some of them that in and of itself is funny to me clearly he's got some people he doesn't like and clearly there are some of them there you know it's it's nonpartisan, but they're all democrats uh, yeah, you know, I actually, I wonder if John Eves may actually be the, the most competent guy. I mean, you, you hear about all the, the Atlanta scandal and stuff and, and the, the purchasing managers, you, you rarely hear about scandal with the Fulton County commission. I just, I'll throw that out there for you. Uh, you know, I play the ad all the time that John Eves ran back in the day with, uh, John Lewis, um, saying that essentially Republicans or dogs in the uh, dogs in the street weren't as bad as Republicans in charge of Fulton County. I, I don't actually fault Eves for that ad. It was a smart play for him, uh, to segment himself and turn out the black vote. I, I, I fault, um, John Lewis and Shirley Franklin, uh, for actually saying that, you know, that Andrew Young in that ad didn't stoop to their level. 
Uh, it was a smart play by Eves, though. You had to give it to him. So I just I wonder if he might be the most competent person to be in charge of Atlanta. But I don't live in the city, and I have no intention of ever living in the city, so I don't have to worry about that. Most of you don't either. One thing you should worry about is our federal court system. Do you know, and this is, again, this is another Mitch McConnell thing. How many judges has the Senate confirmed for Donald Trump? There is no filibuster to stop the Senate from confirming, from confirming federal judges. So how many have been confirmed? Six. That's right. Six, and that includes Neil Gorsuch. So five for circuit courts and district courts. In fact, three of the five are circuit courts. Two are district courts. And of them, two of them are Kentucky-related. That should tell you everything you need to know about the current situation. Mitch McConnell was willing to steamroll through judges who would affect Kentucky, but doesn't really care about the rest of the nation. And he got Neil Gorsuch through. The left, of course, is having a meltdown because Neil Gorsuch has been in Kentucky with Mitch McConnell. He's been in Kentucky. Uh, he's speaking at the, the, uh, the McConnell School at the University of Kentucky, I think it was. Yes, of course, Mitch McConnell has a school named after him for politics in Kentucky. And the left is horrified by this. It raises questions. Does it really raise questions? All the other justices on the Supreme Court do this. In fact, the New York Times concurrent to the story attacking Neil Gorsuch had a story about Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying that that um, men and male chauvinism were to blame for Hillary Clinton losing in 2016. They were okay with that. That's not political at all. But Neil Gorsuch speaking at colleges and conservative groups that's that's bad. An ethics, a legal ethics professor raised the issue. That's just baloney and so partisan, but they don't care. Now, why are they raising the issue of Gorsuch's ethics? Well, because there's a big case coming up before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court term starts next week. And one of the very big cases the Supreme Court is going to hear is a case on union membership and whether non-union people who work for companies that have union representation can be forced against their will to pay the union, even if they don't want the union to, to represent them. And the left is arguing for yes. And the reason they're going after Gorsuch is because they know that Gorsuch's thinking could be highly persuasive on the likes of Anthony Kennedy. So they got to raise questions in Kennedy's mind about Gorsuch. And the way they're doing that is going after Gorsuch's ethics. It has nothing to do with anything other than the unionization case. The unions are on the ropes for the first time. Think about this. For the first time in 20 years, the National Labor Relations Board is now majority Republican. That's something even George W. Bush couldn't pull off. So they've got the NLRB is suddenly majority Republican. They're going to walk back Obama-era regulations. They got this case before the Supreme Court. So they've got to attack Neil Gorsuch to raise questions. And this is, I predict, a series of attacks. We're first seeing this. The seed is planted that he's doing something unethical. 
Next, we're going to see the New York Times probably run a story suggesting he has an ethical conflict directly involved in this particular case. It's what the left does because they got nothing else. They're such sore losers. Twenty-six after the hour. Thomas the Tank Engine. Thomas the Train. Thomas and Friends. There is an actual column at the New Yorker, appropriately filed under the category rabbit holes, by a millennial. Y'all, is there any more awful generation of human beings than that generation which birthed the millennials because it, it can't be that all millennials are terrible because there's something in the water. It, it's got to be their, their parents who caused it. I mean, it, it's got to be somebody's fault that we have turned out a bunch of just uh, self-absorbed shallow brats who wear skinny jeans and flannel in the middle of summer. But this one Gia Tolentino. This is the actual headline for the story. The repressive authoritarian soul of Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. That's right. That's right. How could I possibly have imagined that decades later, I would get lost in obscure corners of the internet? Well, there's your problem. Where people interpret the show at length as a depiction of a pre-modern corporate totalitarian dystopia. Mm-hmm. Yep, Sir Topham Hat is a slave master. And they kill all the bad trains. Yep, it, it is a violent world. <laughs> this is this is the, the last paragraph of this. Though Shining Time Station ended in the 90s, Thomas the Tank Engine shows have aired almost continuously since. Thomas and Friends has gone on in some form for 20 seasons, two of which featured Alec Baldwin as the narrator. In 2009, the show went completely CGI. In 2014, the actor who voiced Thomas for the previous five years quit, saying the successful show was exploiting him by paying a very low wage. The trains seem overdue for a similar revolution. Someone out there really believes this stuff. It is 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. There is a story out today. Um, you won't be surprised by it, but I'm annoyed by it. Well, actually, it was a story from yesterday. There, there's a subsequent story today. And the story yesterday is that it is a sign of privilege that's right privilege to be married that if you're married you are in the privileged class and there's another story out today i believe they're both in the new york times that essentially um, privilege allows white people to ignore the NFL protests. Here's a fact. 
and this is a true and genuine fact, and it transcends race. It, apply, it applies to white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, you name it. If you finish high school before you get married, and then you get married before having kids, you're not going to live in poverty. You may be lower middle class. You may not be upper middle class. But you're not going to be in poverty. Doing things that way, going to high school and graduating, getting married after you've graduated from high school, and then having kids after you've gotten married, you're going to get out of poverty. Now, this is considered a privileged lifestyle these days, and I want you to understand what's going on here when people talk about privilege. I am not denying that you have an easier existence in the United States more often than not if you are white. And having seen with my own eyes black friends of mine who had either difficulty catching a cab or were handed luggage while they're standing in a suit outside the hotel, I'm not denying there, there's racism in the country, there's latent racism in the country, and it's something I think we all need to do a better job of uh, paying attention to and noting. I would also note, though, that we have sin in the world, and as long as we have sin, we're going to have things like this. It's never going to be completely eradicated. And, and those of us who can and are mindful of this, we need to do a better job of helping others. But the conversation about privileged is, I see it trickling into churches and whatnot, and it, it's, it's, it's in the name of compassion. It's in the name of recognition. But what it actually is, is a way to really undermine the family. And it is a way to undermine your position in life by making you feel guilty that you had other advantages. And what it does is it is a way to separate you from your own accomplishments. Well, you couldn't have done all of this stuff if you were black, you see. You couldn't have done all of this stuff if you were Hispanic. You couldn't have done this if you had a single mom. You couldn't have done these things. It, it, it is essentially not just a way to devalue you, but it is a way to get you to shut up about how people probably should live their life. A way to get you to stop pointing out that, in fact, if you do go to high school first and then get married and then have kids, you're going to not be in poverty and your kids are not going to be in poverty. Because ultimately what this is about is about giving victims a way to stay victimized. And as long as people are victimized, well, then they need the government to expand. They need the government to, to have a bigger role. They need the government to really and genuinely engage on their behalf instead of taking responsibility for themselves. That's what this privilege argument is about. That's why we're hearing it more and more these days. Because particularly as conservatives now, Republicans at least control Washington, there is an effort to re-empower the individual. Well, you can't re-empower the individual if we live in a privileged society because some people are going to take advantage of other people and some people are victims and how dare you? It's got to be the government. That's what this is all about. You need to understand. That's why we're going to hear more and more about it. Man, a buddy of mine just texted me. He said, the downside of being Eric Erickson's friend, people start texting me asking if I have a porn addiction. <laughs> Y'all are horrible people. 
Uh, no, no. If you're if you're texting any, of the, none of you would know the friend I was talking about. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, I, I I feel like I owe him an apology. Um, it didn't mention anyone's name at all. Uh, <laughs> you're horrible. <laughs> Poor guy. Nope. Nope. Um, it's good grief. For those of you who were around for the first hour, we're talking about Hefner and, and Playboy and a buddy of mine who he he will freely admit ruined his marriage. Uh, luckily, they didn't get a divorce. They reconciled, but ruined his marriage just through. They didn't think it was a big deal to, to watch porn. And, and it just completely, to a degree, reprogrammed his mind and, and his relationship with his wife. And all the time he was there, all of us were saying, you know, you're, you're going to you're going to have trouble. And in his view, it was, well, his wife just needed to accept that this is what guys do. And, oh, my goodness gracious. Ah, and now here come people texting random friends of mine. Was it you? No. Uh, if this person doesn't even live in the state of Georgia. So, oh, I, I'm just, I, I feel shocked and appalled for these people now. Shame on all of you for texting. <laughs> wow. Oh, man, I don't even know what to say about that. I think we probably better go take a commercial break so I can apologize to all of my friends who you people are probably texting. It is 54 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. There's a story out today. Um, the National Association of Broadcasters and the radio industry, of which I obviously am a part, uh, they are getting the FCC to target Apple over the iPhone. Uh, because according to them, the iPhone has an FM chip built into its wireless chip. And if Apple just activated the chip, then people in Puerto Rico who don't have power could get radio, FM radio, on their phone for free, assuming they could figure out a way to charge their phone. This is an example of an industry struggling to adapt with streaming and satellite services, uh, getting the FCC to bully a technology company. It's crony capitalism at its worst. And guess what? In a statement this afternoon, Apple said the iPhone 7 and 8 don't have FM radio chips in them, nor do they have antennas designed to be able to receive an FM signal. And earlier iPhones do have an FM chip, but it's a commodity purchase. It wasn't asked by Apple. It just happened to be on the chip. There's no programming code in the iPhones to be able to use it, nor is there an antenna designed to pick up the signal. But I mean, who cares about the facts when you can sick the government on uh, someone you blame for losses in your industry? I just, my industry or not, I just, I despise that level of crony capitalism. You know, this is going to be the problem with the Republicans tax plan is you're going to have a bunch of companies out there trying to game the system and screw up what is otherwise a pretty good advance in the tax system. They can't help themselves. They got to do it uh, for their own advantage by putting the rest of us at a disadvantage. A real problem there, I think. A real, real problem. Um, I just, I like the tax plan. I, in fact, I, I uh, so Paul Ryan called me last night 
trying to get me to support it. And I just said, look, you, you don't have to sell me on this. I like the plan. I, I, could it be better? Yes. Is it better than what we have? Yes. So let's head in that direction. Um, and I, I hope you guys will take a look at it. There's a lot of fear mongering out there. And don't forget, you can text show to 444-999 to sign up for the podcast and get the show notes.